Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it to Jesus one more time across this place. Come on. Man, we are so excited and uh, welcome to uh, week one of Sushi Sex and Subtitles. If you are brand new to this, you're like, what is going on? Uh, we are doing, it's a series all about uh, relationships, marriage, and communication. Uh, so sushi is the relationships, uh, sex is the marriage, and Subtitles is communication. All right, so uh, people are like, what is going on over there? I'm like, let me explain. So uh, we're so glad that you're here. I love food. I love food. Anybody else with me on that? Anybody? Okay, good, good. Praise God. I'm in the right church. All right, so I love food. Uh, I, I love all kinds of food. I love Latin food. I love Italian food. Um, I love Asian food. Uh, I love southern food. Um, I love chicken wings. I don't know who gets credit for that, but I love, I love all kinds of food. Like, uh, but I, I don't just love like broad spec. I like, I love the specifics. So you know what I mean? So like, it's not just that I love Latin food. It's like, I love Peruvian food and Puerto Rican food. Uh, and so, um, like I know what mafungo is. Most of y'all don't, but I do. So like, uh, so I, I love that. Like, I love I, I love Asian food, but it's not just Asian. I love Vietnamese food specifically. I love pho and spring rolls. Uh, I have a Vietnamese brother and sister, so uh, that happened. That's my brother back there hollering. Uh, so, but we I, I love uh, Chinese food. Uh, whatever number thirty six is, I'll have it. You know what I'm saying? Like I love. <laughs> Uh, I love, I love uh, all kinds, you know, I love Japanese food, I love sushi, I love hibachi, you know what I mean? Like I love it when they drop sick beets on the grill, I love all that. Um, and I love, I love Asian food, uh, or not, I love Italian food, I love pizza, where are my pizza fans at? I love New York style pizza, um, I love Chicago deep dish with the cheese and the crust and the, sorry, I, had, I was having a moment. Uh, I love, Napoleon's not my favorite style, though, with like where they make the pizza and they put like four pieces of mozzarella on it and bake it. And you're like, mm, no, nah, that's not for me. Uh, but I love pizza. I, I don't care for like supreme. I don't really want vegetables on my pizza. Like I'll take like pepperoni, ham, sausage, bacon. Like I don't want the things that those things eat on my pizza, but I want like <clears throat> so not a big pineapple on pizza kind of guy. Uh, so, yeah, so it's all right. You can repent later of your sin if you <laughs> So, but I, I just, I love, I, I love it all. So it's like, but, but here's the deal. Have you noticed that in, in how I'm describing all of this food, what I've actually described is all the ways that I love how food serves me, right? And have you ever noticed how oftentimes we approach relationships that way? How we approach relationships as we identify all the things we like about those friendships, those relationships, that dating, the person we're dating and that person we're married to, strictly based on their ability to serve the needs of my life and never how we could exist in a sacrificial way towards one another. Uh, and so maybe this is hitting home for some of you because today I want to talk to you about that a little bit because here's the reality. I think many of us, we look at our friendships, we look at our relationships, we look at the people we date and maybe even the marriages that we have and we look at them as self-serving vehicles to bring us joy when that's not what relationships, friendships, and marriages are supposed to be. Now, I didn't expect a ton of amens here in the beginning, uh, but it's, it's this reality that we add people to our life based on their ability to meet a need within our life. Matter of fact, I say it like this, we often define the quality, say quality. We often define the quality of our relationships by their ability 
to meet our needs at a specific time of our lives. So if, if they meet that need in my life right now, they can be part of it. But here's the problem. When, when their need from us supersedes their ability to add value to us, then we no longer need them in our life. And we're like, so that's why you can see people who are like, I love them. They're amazing. You're posting on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Like these are the greatest people in the world. And three months later, you're like, oh, I don't really hang out with them anymore. Because what happened is their need from you superseded their ability to add value to you in that season of your life. So they're no longer part of your life anymore. Because what we've done is we've misunderstood friendships, relationships, and marriages to mean that they are there to serve me. And when they stop serving me, I don't need them, which is why, for the record, I think divorce is so high, particularly in the last couple generations, is because we stopped working on things and we started just replacing them. Which is why we have to realize what it is. So let me help you out with something real quick. Just here in the beginning, every self-serving relationship has an expiration date. Every self-serving relationship has an expiration date. If that person only exists in your life to do something for you, it has an expiration date because there's going to come a time where they need more from you than they bring to you. And when that happens, if you haven't realized that you need some healing and to deal with some of your stuff, then you're going to cut them off, call them bad. And here's the deal. The wolf is always the villain, right? Or the, I'm sorry, the shepherd is always the villain when the wolf tells the story. And so what you have to realize is, when we get into situations and relationships, we have to know, like, if you got 10 fragmented relationships in a row, maybe there's a common denominator here. So, what we tend to do is this. And this is why it's hard. What we tend to do is we tend to take something that happened to us in our past, a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. And because of that, it's created a trauma response in ourselves. That now when we have opportunities to engage with relationships, we're carrying what another person did to us into our present relationships. And as we carry it into our present relationships, what tends to happen in those present relationships is we tend to hold people hostage to what someone else did to us long before they got here. And I just want to help you out with this because what we often do is then we cut those people off and we call it boundaries. I'm just setting boundaries. No, you're broken and you refuse to deal with trauma. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people need, like, we all have to set boundaries. What we have to realize is if you keep setting boundaries and it seems like you keep cutting people off over and over and over again, maybe it's not them that are the problem, right? Matter of fact, I put it like this. Proving something to someone from your past by cutting off someone in your present isn't called boundaries. It's called emotional abuse. So what we have to do is we have to deal with the people from the past and we also have to love the people in the present. The thing is, this is hard. And the reason I know this is hard, because I went through this myself. To be completely transparent with you, um, I went through some stuff as a child, around 10 years old, in, in church and in a faith community. It had nothing to do with my parents, um, someone else in the faith community. And because of uh, some abuse that happened in my life, I built up walls around myself. And I said, nobody will ever hurt me like that again. And no one will ever hurt my family the way I watched people hurt my family in the past. The problem is, is you can't make promises like that and not end up abusing people out of an attempt to protect yourself. And what many of us have done in our relationships and our connections with other people, and again, for the record, I'm not just talking about dating relationships. I'm talking about your friendships, your coworkers, your business partners, your marriages. This affects all of that. And today I want to talk to you about identity 
because we, we always name Sushi Sex and Subtitles sermons after songs. And this today is called, I Will Always Love You. Y'all know that Whitney Houston, you know, like, I Will Always Love You. We changed it a little bit. It's called, I Will Always Love You. Now you. Now you. Now you. Because you just hop from person to person hoping someone's going to fix what somebody else broke. And so because of that, personally, I looked at how I was impacting relationships in my life over a 10 to 20 year span. And the best way I could describe it was my life was like an emotional tornado leaving wreckage behind me because I was holding everyone else hostage to what someone else did to me. And that's the question I have for you for a second. Does your life bring peace or does it leave others in pieces? Does your life bring peace or does it leave others in pieces? Because of this, we've all bought into some lies. And I just want to put a few of them in front of you. Maybe you've recognized this in dealing with relationships on your own. Let's look at some lies that we believe, right? And here's some of the lies that we've believed. The first one is, I can fix this person. (laughs) This person's going to be a great friend in my life because I can fix them. No, you can't. Especially when they're, you can't fix them dating, I can promise you. (laughs) The next one, equally as important, this person can help fix me. No, they can't. Right? How about this? The, the lie is, I'll never be enough. The lie that you'll never be enough has got you looking for someone to be in your life that probably shouldn't be there. Right? Here's, here's another one. I know what's best. Do you really know what's best for you? Right? Let's just do a self-assessment on how many prayers we prayed to God because we knew what was best. And five years later, we were like, praise God, that didn't work out. You know what I mean? Like, thank God I didn't marry that person. Like, we've all, we've all been in those situations, right? The next one, how I feel must be real. A lie we believe. How I feel must, if I feel this way, it must be reality. But the reality is how you feel, if it doesn't line up with God's word and what he says about you, it's not real. It's just the most feeling you have. And what we have to do is take every one of our feelings, whether it's our sexuality, whether it's our bitterness, whatever it may be, and we have to bring it under God's word because what God says about you is truth. The rest of it is just feelings. But how many guys know your feelings will lie to you? So how I feel must be real. And then the last one, uh, a lie that we believe is I need someone else to satisfy me. I need someone else to satisfy my life. And the the reality is none of those things are true. And I just want to give you three things that we found in the idea of building up an identity with God that will help you in your relationships. And and by the end of the sermon, I'm actually going to show you what God had to do in my life to help me deal with this. So that maybe you won't be the emotional tornado uh, that that you can recognize. Maybe you have been in certain ways. I'm going to show you what God did in my life. Just mention that to you. Maybe he wants to do it in yours as well. But here's the first thing I want you to understand. is what you don't let God satisfy will eventually lead to sin. What you don't let God satisfy in your life, it'll eventually lead to sin. If, it, if you don't let God satisfy the longing in your heart, the, the emptiness in your heart, if you don't let God satisfy the emptiness in your heart, you'll try to find someone else to fill the emptiness in your heart. The problem is they'll fail at it. So you'll find someone else to fill it, and then they'll fail at it, and you'll find someone else, and you'll find someone else, and you'll find someone else, and you'll find someone else. And before you know it, you've probably opened your bed to 12 people that still fail you. And the reality is they can't fill the emptiness that only God was meant to fill. That's why if you don't let God satisfy you, it'll eventually lead to sin. 
And we have to recognize what's going on in our own lives. And so what, what we have to do is realize that, that the, the, even the bitterness in your heart, it's, it, it, it comes from the idea that you didn't let God satisfy something. You, even, you were offended and you were holding unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is really just unfulfilled revenge. And since it's unfulfilled revenge, what you're looking for is to get even, right? And so, but because you haven't gotten even, you're unforgiving. And so you're unforgiving, you're now bitter. And you've let your bitterness turn into anger. And now you're living in sin because you've not let someone else go. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. When we deal with relationships, I always start in the garden because I think this is the moment of fragment when it deals with not only relationships but ourselves. And what we're really talking about today is you, not necessarily others, but we need to be looking for it. So the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So this is pretty clear. Genesis 3, 4 through 5. Satan comes in. You will not certainly die. Immediate red flag. Listen, if someone comes in your life and tries to tell you not to do the thing God told you to do, red flag. If someone comes in your life and tells you to do the thing God told you not to do, red flag. All right? You will not certainly die, the servant said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, the reality is... Eve became convinced that there was part of God that she did not know. And since she didn't know this part of God, she had a longing in her heart to know that part of God. And what she realized is she allowed something to set into her heart of dissatisfaction. Therefore, she went after the fruit to find satisfaction. And as she looked for the fruit to give her satisfaction, she tried it. And her lack of satisfaction with God led to sin in her heart. And anytime we don't let God be our satisfaction, we're always going to find ourselves in a place of sin. That's why I love what Tim Keller says. He says, Jesus Christ is the only master that if you get him, will satisfy you. And if you fail him, will forgive you. That's why Psalm 107.9 says, for he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. God's the only true satisfaction for your life, which means everything you're looking to put into your life to bring you satisfaction, I'm telling you right now, it'll fail you. And hear me, if you're broken, it'll fail you, and then you'll blame it for the brokenness. You have to be content with God. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for relationships. Wait. Is that what it says? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for godliness, for God himself, for they will be satisfied. So listen, your hunger and your thirst for God and him in your life is what brings you ultimate satisfaction, even beyond what other people can bring into your life. So we have to realize that, that when we let God be our ultimate satisfaction, say satisfaction. When we let God become that for us, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. Which brings me to the next point we're going to hang out with uh, for a minute, which is that connections to others will never fulfill what God hasn't fulfilled for you first. 
Connections to others will never fulfill what God has not fulfilled for you first. And for the record, I'm not, again, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships and dating. I'm talking about friendships and everything else. Like, like everything in your life, all the connections to other people in your life, this is a reality. If God is not fulfilling your life first, no one else can do it. And the problem is what we tend to do in our connections with people, whether it's friendships, relationships, whatever, what we tend to do is we tend to find people whose response to their personal trauma is the antidote to our response to our personal trauma. So I was raised by a weak person, and since I was raised by a weak person, I feel the need to be a strong person. But since I'm a strong person, I need to find a weak person to fix. The problem is what happens when that weak person doesn't want you fixing them? Then when you try to fix them and they don't want you to fix them, now they're a problem because how dare they not let me be in their life like that? But if you were raised by a strong person and now you're a weak person, what you do is you start having a longing in your heart for a strong person to come in your life because they're going to make you better. They're going to challenge me. They're going to speak to me what I need to hear because I'm weak and they're going to help make me strong until they do that. And you're going, how dare you talk to me like that? How dare you hold me accountable? I thought we were friends. But sometimes friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. That's why we need to have, you, we have to have an understanding that if we're looking for people to be the antidote to our brokenness, when they try to be the antidote, when they try to fix our brokenness and they're only fixing it because of their brokenness, now we got two broken people trying to fix each other. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen, I've never seen two boats that are sinking help one another. But that's what we try to do in our relationships. And my invitation to you is this, what if one of us could get whole first? Like, what, what if you could get fixed first before you started trying to help somebody else? What, what if God wants to do some things in you first before you start letting him do some things in others? That's why, listen to me, you're incomplete. When you're incomplete, all friendships become projects and all relationships become investments. When you're incomplete, all friendships become projects and all relationships become investments. Now, here's the struggle with this. If all your friendships are projects and all your relationships are investments, what you're actually looking for is outcomes and returns. So the person that is a project, you're looking for an outcome from them all the time. Every time they're going through something, you're not with them for the sake of being with them. You're with them for the sake of fixing them. But when you can't fix them, you're going to look at them and go, I can't believe I can't fix you. You need to get your stuff together. And if you can't get your stuff together, I'm going to have to distance myself from you because i got to create boundaries. Or maybe you just need to learn how to be present with them and let God do the fixing. I'm investing in them, but I'm hoping for a return. I'm investing in them, hoping that whenever it's time for them to invest in me, they're going to be there. I'm looking for a return from this relationship. The problem is if we're only giving in to them because we know we're going to be able to cash in for that favor later on and they're going to relationally be present for us, what we've done is we've created a transactional relationship, not an authentic one. And when they don't show up, we're going to cut them off because I knew they were never a real friend. All right. The reality is... We have to find fulfillment in God. And if we have fulfillment in God, people may come and go out of your life, but we don't have to hold them hostage to our own expectations. That's why, listen to me, there's always contentment in communion with God. There's always a contentment. Like, listen, it's me, I, me and God, are, are, we're rocking together. Like, I'm, I'm good with this. Like, I'm, I'm all right. And that's why you look at Genesis 2 15 through 16, we go back to the garden and what's happening there. So the Lord took the man, 
and put him in the garden. But listen, was it to lounge all day and chill? No, what is he doing? To work it and take care of it. To work it and take care of it. Which means every human being's responsibility is to serve God, not just know God. Now, you don't serve God so you can be saved. You serve God because you are saved. Let's just get real clear on that. God, because you've saved me, I'm going to live a life of serving you. So listen, every person that knows God needs to serve God. And as you serve God, God will therefore look for the person that needs to be with you. But listen to me. And when you find that person, that person's responsibility is to serve God with you. So what you're looking, listen, if you're, if you're in the dating pool right now, stop looking for people that aren't serving God. If they, if they have no active servanthood in their life and they're not serving God, they'll never serve you. Just know that. If they're, self, if they're so selfish, they won't serve the God of all creation. There's no way that you think they're going to serve you properly. So what you need to do is find someone that's serving God with their whole heart, and that person might be an option for you. More importantly, or as equally as important, is when you're in friendships with people that refuse to serve, if they refuse to serve, stop thinking they're going to be present when you need to cash in. They're always going to be, if they're selfish with God, they'll be selfish with you. And you have to realize that. I'm not saying you need to unfriend them. What I'm saying is you have to manage your own expectations. Because oftentimes broken relationships are the consequence of unmanaged expectations. Right? But here's the other thing I want you to understand is the people we connect with are who we serve God alongside, not who we replace God with. So when God does bring someone into your life, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a marriage, listen, that person is now the person you serve God with, not the person you replace God with. So many people are like, oh, praise God, you brought me the life I was looking for, and then you leave God for the wife. Some of the ladies, I'm, I've been looking for a husband, looking for a husband. God brings you somebody into your life, and you're like, thank you, God. Now he gets put on the back burner because you got your husband. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. That person has to serve God with you. Y'all serve God together. Listen, let me just help you out today. God is never interested in being your side chick. So, so the only person that can even qual- qualify for being with you is someone that wants to go after God with the same heart you want to go after God because God is not interested in second place of your heart. So if God is always going to be the main person in your life, you have to let the person that's going to serve God with you show up in your life, which is why you have to realize if that person can't serve God, they don't even get a qualification. But then let's keep going. Genesis 2.18, what happens? The Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God looks at man and says, you're serving me. But while you're serving me, I realize that you need somebody with you. Now, there's two things I want you to see that's happening here in this text. The first one is this. Man didn't tell God he needed someone. God told the man he needed someone. So for all of you that are like, God, I just need a person in my life. I need a person in my life. Listen, as long as that's your prayer, you're never ready to have them. God, I just need a husband. As long as you need a husband and you're not content with God, you're never ready to have a husband. God, I just need a wife. Well, if you need a wife that bad and you're not content with God, you're not ready to have a wife. Because if all you're thinking about is yourself and not how you're going to serve them, then you're not ready to have them because you'll abuse them once you get them. So we have to let God fulfill the longing in our hearts. We have to be content with God. So 
Adam didn't tell God he needed someone. God told Adam he needed someone and then gave him someone, which is the second thing that I want you to understand is that God was enough for Adam. But God was enough for, God's presence with Adam was enough for Adam. And some of us need to get to that place in our lives, whether it's friendships, relationships, dating, marriage, whatever, where God is enough for me. And so listen to me, especially those of you guys that are in the dating pool right now. If you're looking for someone and they come, like if someone hits you up in your DMs and they're, they're going, hey, like, girl, I want to I take you out. And you go, what church do you go to? And they go, I don't. Next. <laughs> Next. Listen, if they don't love God, there's no way they can love you properly. I'm telling you right now. Right, like you need, you need, you need to have some standards set. You need to be so content with God, like that the next per, the person that comes along has to jump over the hurdles to get to you. I, it's, it's like this, like on staff for us right now. We do, we were on a staff planning day uh, back in November, and so one of the things we've done as a church is we try to put as few things on our calendar as possible. When I took over as lead pastor, I killed half our calendar. I was like, we ain't doing that, 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 that. I was like, I, I would rather be better at a few things than busy at a lot. Right. And so what I, I, that was that was where my heart was. So so I was like, let's get really good at doing what we do and let's stop doing all the things that we're mediocre at. And so that was what we did. And so now we've built that culture on our staff. So in November, we were sitting in our staff planning day and someone brought something up. They're like, hey, what do we think about this? And they wanted to add something to the calendar. And you could feel everybody in the room like. Oh, no. <laughs> they were like, we don't want to add stuff to the calendar. You know, and it was like, and so then we had to talk through it, like genuine assessment. Like, is this a good idea? You know, and after talking through it for a minute, we're like, you know what? I think that is a good idea. Let's add that to the calendar. And listen to me, opportunities for relationships should be just like that for you. Like you should be so content in your own culture with God that when someone slides into your DMs or shows up and they're like, hey, I'd like to take you out. You're like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't like you need to call somebody and be like, hey, listen, this is an immediate no, but convince me if this might be a yes, right? <laughs> you, need to, you need to have somebody, a, a good friend. You could be like, hey, I'm somewhat, this just happened. I might, and they could be like, they can help you ask the right questions. Do they love God? Do they go to church? Are they serving? What does their life look like, right? Are you looking at potential or patterns, which we'll deal with later? What, what, what do you, what, and so because of that, you can take genuine assessments and go, maybe, okay, I've prayed about it, I've thought about it, maybe I'll let this person into a portion of my life to see if we're compatible. But listen to me, opportunities that show up in moments of desperation always lead to despair. Opportunities that show up in moments of desperation always lead to despair. If you're desperate for someone, the wrong one will be sent, and you'll be convinced to eat of that fruit. But if you're fulfilled with God, you're not worried about who that person is. Matter of fact, you'd be like, you gotta, you're going to have to keep up with me, honey. Right? You want to go with me on this trip, I already know which direction I'm going. If you want to, oh, you don't? Oh, that's too much for you. Okay, bet. <laughs> Next. And you got to get real... You gotta, I'm just encouraging you today. If you'll find fulfillment with God, you can weed out the knuckleheads you have no business with. And I don't mean that on both sides of the tracks for the record. And if you're offended by that, that's not the worst thing I've said today. So I don't like, I don't, 
But we, we got to be better at that. Now, here's the one thing, I, and this is important. This, I, we're going to deal with this later in the marriage thing, but I want to give this to you for free, just in case any of y'all aren't going to come back after this. You need to know this. That, <laughs> for the record, did God tell Eve not to eat from the garden or from the tree? Or did he tell Adam? Did God tell Eve to take care of the garden and worker, or did he tell Adam? Did God make Adam for Eve or Eve for Adam? So, so did God give instruction to them or to him? So whose fault was it that the fruit got eaten? So we joke around like the woman grabbed the fruit, right, but the man was in charge. And listen to me. If you're going to be a husband, lean in for a second. If you are a husband, if you're going to be a husband, lean in for a second. When you stand before God, God's going to hold you accountable for what you did and what your wife did. Ladies, you're going to be held accountable. Wives are going to be held accountable for what you did. But husbands are going to be held accountable for what you did and what your wife did. Right? So, so God gives instruction to us. This is why you need to pick wisely, ladies. Because if he can't be held accountable before God, he has no business leading you. <laughs> Fellas, this is why you need to be men of honor and character. Because if you can't lead her well, don't take on the responsibility of standing before God on her behalf. All right? That's why this generation, you need to you, I, you, you use a DM once, but we got to get back to writing notes on napkins or something. We got to start. We got we to we gotta get back. I'll deal with that later. That's a different, different thing. Circle yes or no. I don't know. Something. We got to get... <laughs> We gotta do something. We gotta do something. Listen, as long as you're telling God you need someone to complete you, you're not ready to have them. As long as you're telling God you need somebody to complete you, you're not ready to have them. All right? And this is the, this kind of gets down to the point of what I'm talking about. Because we're talking about dating, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about marriage. But I just wanna help you out today and really, really kind of nail down on this idea of the fact that we have to deal with you before we can deal with them. Before I can instruct you on what healthy dating looks like, we got to get you whole. Because <laughs> even if God, listen, for many of us, if God brought us the right person, we would break them because we're too broken ourselves. And I know what that feels like because I was there. The first few years of my marriage, praise God that my wife is gracious. And we were never terrible to each other. But I can see, why, I can see how I wasn't the best husband I could be because I had walls up because of something that had happened to me a long time ago. Which is why, listen, you need to understand this. You cannot truly experience love until you understand forgiveness. You cannot truly experience love until you understand forgiveness. And here's what I want you to know as we get ready to wrap up today. Forgiving the people of your past is an absolute necessity to being able to connect with people in your future. You cannot bring what is behind you into the next series of relationships or friendships or any of those things. And, and I just want to, I want to show you something that happened in Genesis chapter 3. And I want to show you how it may connect to you in your life. Let's go to Genesis 3, 8 through 11. So if you know the story, Adam and Eve, they both ate the fruit. Because they were tempted to believe that there's something that they could have that God would, wasn't willing to give them. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? 
Now, this is important because the thing I need some of you to understand is after they sinned, God still came looking for them. And for some of you, you've allowed what happened behind you to be the reason why you don't believe God is interested in you anymore. You've let the divorce say that to you. You've let the past brokenness say that to you. But God is not done with you just because of what you went through. Matter of fact, listen to me. He's still looking for you. It's just you that are hiding from him. Where are you? He answered, talking about Adam, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Just catch up on the story. When they ate the fruit, the Bible says their eyes were open, and they realized they were naked. So they were always naked, but because they ate the fruit, they realized they were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? And this is what he said, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And God looks at him and he says, essentially this, how do you know what you know? How do you know you're naked? In other words, God says, you're not supposed to know that. I never intended for you to have the experience that would lead you to that kind of knowledge. I always wanted to protect you from the damage and abuse that would give you that kind of, how do you know you're naked? Did you do the thing that I didn't want you to do? And here's what I believe God put on my heart for all of us today. It's God is looking at you and as you carry your abuse, as you carry your hurts, your brokenness from whatever and whoever may have caused them, You're coming before God and you're hiding in shame. You've gone through relationship after relationship or friendship after friendship. And God's looking at you and you're going, God, I'm so broken because of this and because of this. And God's going, I never wanted that for you. I never wanted you to go through that. You should not know what that feels like. But here's the beautiful part. You ready? God still came after you anyways coming after you now and we want to create a moment today where we honor what God I believe he wants to do in your life because here's the deal this is how you can use this starting today let God make you whole so you can properly love others and I think wholeness starts at forgiveness so let's stand to our feet across this place Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.